This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why, why are you here? So many other things that you could be doing right now. Why are you here? Weather's nice. Not too many other nice days left. We, there's things to do around the house. There's places to go. There's things that you could do. Why are you here? I mean, you had to get, most of you showered. You had to shower. You had to change out of bed to come to drive. Why are you here? Bigger question, why are we here? Why are we here? We learned a couple weeks ago, one of the reasons we are here is to shine a light upon the faithfulness of God. That's why we are here. Why are we here? To give thanks for what God has done. We learned about that last week. That our past is not a problem, it's a platform for praise. If we learn how to reflect upon all that God has done. As Doug said a little bit ago, we're in the middle of a series walking through what we call the Hallelujah Psalms. The last five Psalms of the Psalter, 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50. We're uncovering that humanity was given a mandate, a purpose, an intent to turn up all creation's capacity to give praise to God. That we experience the most delight in life, the most presence of God in our life and purpose. When we do that, we're built as reflectors to reflect back onto God all that he has done. And last week, that unique ability that we have to look back and reflect on and reflect praise back to God. Psalm 148, where we are today, if you open up your Bibles, uh, verses will be up on the screen in a little bit, but not yet. If you remember, I talked in Hebrew literature. It has an architecture about it. It's written in, with a visual intent to help you know how to understand it. And if you look at the last five, <coughs> excuse me, five Psalms of the Bible, 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50, number 148 is right in the middle because it's really driving towards that psalm. It wants you to get that psalm. It's foundational. It has a purpose about it. It kind of brings all of praise and the ideas of praise together in one place. You're going to see why. If you were to look at my wife's engagement ring, it's a solitaire diamond in a gold setting. And that setting has two purposes. The first purpose is to anchor the diamond so you don't lose it. Maybe you have had a moment in your life where you lost a jewel because it came out of the setting. So that setting is there to keep that jewel anchored in the right place. While at the same time, that setting is designed in such a way so that it will maximize the amount of light that can get to the jewel. Psalm 148 has a setting that we're going to look at today. It has a place where it's to be anchored. And if that, if that psalm is anchored correctly, we don't lose the psalm. In fact, it lets the maximum amount of light get in and out of that psalm. And the setting for Psalm 148 is Genesis chapter 1. And I want to read Genesis 1 for you. I don't want you to read it. I want to read it over you because I want you to be able to hear it. And I want your imagination to engage in it. And I understand for many of you who grew up in church, Genesis 1 is pretty basic. You've heard it a lot of times. So I, I pray that you will hear it in a fresh way. But just listen. This is the setting that 148 sits in. Listen to Genesis 1. This is the creation. 
God is building a temple to fill with his glory. In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Wind of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. God separated light from darkness. God called the light day. The darkness he called night. There was evening, morning, the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above. It was so. God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening. And there was morning. Second day. God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered into one place. And let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. The waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees, bearing the earth brought forth vegetation, planting yields, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, the trees bearing fruit in which is their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, morning, the third day. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. Let them be for signs, for seasons, for days, for years. Let them be lights in the expanse of heavens to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the great light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, morning, the fourth day. God said, let the waters Swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and the seas, let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, beasts, beasts of the earth according to kind, and it was so. God made beasts of the earth according to their kind, livestock according to their kind, and everything that creeps on the grounds according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds in the heavens and over the livestock in the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male, female, he created them. And God blessed them. <coughs> Excuse me. You see six movements within that chapter of scripture. God creating heavens, God creating seas, God drawing up land, and then God filling those. Filling heavens, filling seas, filling land. You see sun, you see moon, you see stars, you see deep sea creatures, livestock, beasts, creepy things. Then in that sixth movement, 
Let us make man in our image. The man and the woman to orchestrate and oversee. That's what an image does. Humanity is at the center, not to receive glory from creation, but to shine and orchestrate it back towards the creator. Let them, let them, let them, the divine word. This is Eden. This is paradise. This is divine intention. Everything is flourishing. This is the setting for Psalm 148. So I would like to read for you now Psalm 148. Would you stand? Let's stand just out of respect. I want to read it over you, and I want you to hear. See if you can hear the connections back and forth. See if you can see how 148 sits inside of Genesis 1. See if you can hear the order and the progression of what these poets are doing as they dance back and forth in word. Listen to Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire, hail, snow, mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts, livestock, creepy things, flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all of his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Psalm 148 wants us to get back to our first mandate, to get back to Eden. It gives us the words to conduct and orchestrate praise of creation, all creation. So if you were to look at an orchestra, if you've gone to hear an orchestra, there's four main sections to an orchestra. Right? There's strings, there's percussion, there's brass, there's woodwinds. And I thought maybe that would help us as we look at Psalm 148 together to see these four sections all coming together to bring praise to God. These spheres that when all of them come together, turn up God's glory. So in your notes, if you open up your notes together, let's look at the first section. You may notice in an orchestra, the largest section is the strings, the largest part of the orchestra. So this morning, the largest part of the psalm talks about what we'll call the angelic. Let's write that down. Angelic. Let me write, listen again. This is Psalm 148. This is the first half of the psalm. Praise the Lord from the, where? The heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun, moon. Praise him, shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. 
Okay, so from the beginning of the narrative, from the beginning of the Bible all the way through, we're taught in Scripture that there is this overlap between uh, the divine, the angelic, celestial space, and between us and our earthly space. They overlap each other. And every now and then you can kind of see uh, the interaction between the two. And sometimes it doesn't go very well, does it? The very beginning of the story, you got this serpent poking itself around within the created order and really making things amok. You keep reading through the Genesis account and you hear about the sons of God coming down and messing around with the daughters of men and things go amok. But we also see as you read through that there's this uh, intervention that the angelic bring into our space. At Jesus' temptation, as he stands his ground, as the better Adam, as all of Israel. It says, and ministering spirits came and took care of him. Read about the story of the church in the book of Acts. And Peter's in prison and the church prays. And, and what help is in? How does help go get Peter out of prison? What is the help? It's an angelic being that goes to bring Peter out of prison. Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter 18. See that you do not despise one of the little ones. Like, I mean, the little in faith it could be the young children. I tell you that in heaven, this is Jesus talking. I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Try to wrap your head around that a little bit. Be mindful of your actions. especially with the lesser ones, the younger ones. They have angelic emissaries before the face of the Father, seeking to act on their behalf. You have to sit with that one for a little bit, don't you? What we need to be mindful of as we think of conducting praise in this section of the orchestra is that there's tension. Write that down, Tension. Within the strings, within the angelic, there is a tension we need to be mindful of. Things are very tightly wound. The book of Revelation, I think, helps us here. At this time last year, we were going through and beginning the book of Revelation, and that was an awesome study. I enjoyed that. The book of Revelation is not a doomsday book. It's an everyday book. It helps us see that if you peel back and look behind the curtain, on what's a geopolitical landscape, there's an angelic spiritual landscape. You might bump into the fruit of that tree. The roots of that tree are very, very spiritual and very angelic. And we must learn to recognize and confront that tension. And call them, according to this psalm, to praise God. As you look at geopolitical powers and national powers and local powers and principalities, to call them to praise God in their actions. Wow. This psalm puts into word a reality that we don't merely participate with the angelic. We are called to invite the angelic back to the glory of God and what they do. We sing that in the doxology. How many of you grew up singing the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you heavenly hosts. Did you realize what you were singing? Could you imagine the shift that might happen if we learn to engage worship at that level, that we have a responsibility as the image to call even the celestial angelic back to praise God? Let's talk about another section. Let's talk about the percussion. Within there, write down the word ecology. Ecology. The percussion, right down, ecology. In Psalm 148, 9 through 10, look at this section of the orchestra. Mountains and hills, fruit trees, cedars, beasts, livestock, creeping things, flying birds. 
Our first profession was to tend the garden. Image that nurtures earthly creation to thrive and to flourish. God looks to the image and says, you have dominion here. It means to rule with responsibility. It means stewardship. It's to mirror what God does on the greatest corporate level. Humanity is called to do here. God calls us dirt beings to oversee the dirt space. So when it comes to fostering praise, I think we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. How can the earth flourish if its protectors keep poaching it? Here's another question. Why do non-God followers often care for God's creation better than the God followers? Think about that. We need to ask ourselves when it comes to ecology, the difference between what is best versus what is profitable. I know I need to be careful here because a lot of times um, ecology has become a political weapon used for virtue signaling, and that's not what I'm doing here. I even had a conversation with a woman after the first gathering. She says, it's hard to talk about these things because it's become a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's part of the human mandate. So within that section, write down the word rhythm. And maybe that will help us cut through some of the politics. Write down the word rhythm. That's what the percussion does. Carter comes up here. It's his job to keep the rhythm. When Dex comes up here, it's his job to keep the rhythm, the tempo, the flow, getting everything together. And as we participate within ecology, we need to have the word rhythm in the back of our mind. We fit into creation. We're not above it and beyond it. We are a part of it. And we are currently moving at a tempo that's dangerous for the rest of creation. We're demanding from creation that which is not sustainable. That's what the conductor does. The conductor what? Sets the what? The tempo that the rhythm is supposed to follow along. But what happens if the keeps going faster and faster and faster? What happens to everything in the orchestra? It reaches a threshold that is more than creation can bring, and things start to fall apart. Why? Because we don't know how to slow down. Because we choose what's profitable over what is best. I'm not talking about global warming. What can I do about global warming? I can't even drop 10 pounds. Change the weather. But what can I do? How can I help creation flourish? How can I respect the rhythm and Sabbath? This is, this is easy. I did this this morning. You just take out your phone. Go online. Easy things you can do to help the planet. Simple. Childlike levels. Shifting how we use energy. Thinking about reducing and reusing and recycling. Learning how to enjoy something without having to own it. I've mentioned this before. There's a reason we bought the house that we bought the house where the house is. Because it's really close to Troy Pool, which means I don't have to own a pool. I can use it without having to own it. We like to own things, don't we? We like to own things. Sabbath. To take a day a week to step back. To intentionally slow the tempo back 
to what is manageable and appropriate. To enter into creation again and realize I'm a part of this. I'm a part of and I affect what's going on. To pick up a bag of garbage. I mean, litter's always been a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if it's a pet peeve of yours. It's a pet peeve of mine. And we were at a soccer tournament yesterday, and we were there all day, and we'd send up canopies and grills and a great time of fellowship with uh, teams. But at the end of the day, we all packed up and people left, and there's a lot of garbage on the ground. And so what did Jackson and I do? We picked up the garbage. And Jackson said, Dad, you're a good citizen. And I said, Jackson, I'm just a follower of Jesus. And Jesus asked me to take care of this. Part of us conducting praise is helping creation flourish. How can creation flourish if we keep destroying it? That's why Ben Franklin said, you focus on the minutes. The little part, the years take care of itself. What can I do? Yeah, I can't change global warming. But I can change a light bulb. I can reuse. I can walk more. I need to walk more. The third section, the woodwinds. Right in the word relationships. Right in the word relationships. Psalm 148, 11 through 12 says this. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes, all rulers of the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men, children. We shine a light upon God when we care about how we relate to one another. So underneath relationships, right in tuning. Tuning. One of the beautiful things about an electric piano is you don't have to tune it. Okay? If we had a grand piano up here, it would require constant tuning because of the weather and how wood expands and strings, tensions decrease. You have to go back in and tune it to make sure it's turned to, tuned to what we call A440. This is the standard. Everything tunes to this. You know, when Lucas is getting the bass ready, he'll take his phone out and he has a tuner on there and he turns the little pegs to make sure that everything's tuned together. One string to the next, one string to the next, one string to the next, all back to that standard tuning note. In our relationships, one with another, are we in tune? Is there love, grace? Is there compassion? How can there be praise when there isn't kindness? If you look at 11 through 12, kings and all peoples, princes ruling, young men, maidens together, old and young. Those who are in authority, what's the relationship like with those who are under authority? What's the relationship like with those who have power to those who don't have power? What's the relationship like between male and female? What's the relationship like between the old and the young? It requires constant tuning. That calls for constant introspection. It begins with me saying, am I out of tune? Not me saying, you're out of tune. Am I out of tune? As I look at the example of Christ, as I look at what Jesus has done, am I loving? <clears throat> am I gracious? Am I kind? <coughs> Excuse me. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, if you're on your way to the temple and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the temple. Go reconcile with your brother, then go to the temple. Is this in tune? When this is in tune, then this can happen. Verse 
You can't chew out your spouse on Saturday night and worship Jesus on Sunday morning. That's wrong. I can't yell at my kids in the van on the way here and then walk in with a big smile on, the, on my face. Woodwinds, relationships, are they in tune? Fourth section, the brass, the horns. Let's look at verse 14 together. <clears throat> verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Well, that doesn't fit at all, does it? I mean, we're going through this creation order. Like this, this is follows the creation account. You know, we move from heavens down to image. We move from heavens down to man. I mean, there's this order. And then all of a sudden, there's this thing about a horn at the very end. What's the horn about? What's that have to do with anything? It kind of, it's written in such a way that it stands out. Like it says, pay attention to this. To raise up a horn is to raise up a sound of victory. Write that down in that section. Underneath brass, write down the word victory. It's the sound of celebration. It's often used within the context of describing a person. God has raised up a person to bring victory for his people. Often referred to a ruler, someone like David. There is a victory we know that as you go through the, the creation account, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, you get to Genesis 3, and everything falls apart. Within the promise of God's deliverance, he says someone's going to rise up, and they're going to stomp on the evil and crush what is broken, though it's going to come at great expense. And so what the psalmist sees promised here in Psalm 148, we now proclaim. So write down proclaim. Victory to proclaim. And the Apostle Paul really dials this in for us. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to read verses 6 and verses 7. 2 Corinthians 4. For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the God who created called light out of the darkness, has now placed a light within us, and that light is the knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We might have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Victory for his people, for those who are near. This fourth section. What do we do? We command the praise and the proclamation that victory has come. It's why we gather to confront the dark and to bring hope to all the earth that's in Jesus. I asked the band to do something for me. I kind of felt that we needed some space before I finish up the message, just to reflect on a lot of the things we talked about. So artist, as you come up, they're gonna create a, a musical space. Not for us to sing, but for us to reflect on. For us to think about this calling that we have To call the angelic. To help the ecology flourish. To be mindful of tuning our relationships one with another. To proclaim the victory that is in Jesus. Where are you in all of that? How well do you direct and conduct praise? We're going to let the artist just help create space for us. Spirit of God, the word that creates as you hover over your people, 
move in our hearts, our attention. As you speak, 
A hundred billion failures disappear <laughs> Well, you lost your life, so why could you find it here? If you left the grave behind you, so will I I can see your heart in everything you've done you love music? We are a creation out of tune. We are an orchestra that's run amok. Our work is cut out for us. If you look at the center of the psalm, Psalm 148, verses 7 and 8, it says, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. So this is the center point. This is the transition point of the, of the psalm. But so you remember architecture. That means that really this is what's going on. This is what we're driving towards in the middle of this psalm. It takes us all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis 1. Where the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The wind of God hovering over the face of the waters. When everything was formless and void and deep chaos has overtaken everything. <clears throat> and it says the mighty spirit, the mighty wind hovers over, preparing to act on God's word. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Let let. Who speaks that in the psalm? If you go back to Psalm 148, who says that? Who, who talks like that? Happens twice. Let them praise. Let them praise. Let the heavens praise. Let the earth praise. Who says that? Whose job is that? That's our job. In the same way God called it to creation, it is our job to call it to praise. It says in verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord. Verse 15, let them praise the name of the Lord, heaven and earth. When it's written that way, it's a way of saying, come on, it's encouragement. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. We call and conduct and encourage and command. <coughs> we sing the doxology. We're going to sing the doxology in a little bit. Okay, but can we talk about how we conduct praise? How we have a habit of doing it? Maybe you've watched conductors. They stand in front the little thing, and they kind of do the thing. And it's kind of fun to watch them do it, right? Because they'll really get into it, and they're just, they're swooping, and they're flying, and the hair's going all over the place. You don't ever want to see this. Oh, my goodness. I hope he finishes up soon. 
That, that would be a heartless conductor, wouldn't it? You don't, you don't conduct creation's praise like this, do you? But the challenge is because we are, this is our natural bent. This is, this is what we do. We are made to conduct praise. We're designed to do that. And because things have gone amuck, we will still do it. But we just conduct the wrong things. We call the wrong things. We wave our arms for the wrong things, drawing attention to the wrong things. It's football season, right? Let's, let's poke at football for a little bit. Nancy's already shaking her head. What do we do? Go, go, go. Faster, faster, faster. You scored, you scored. Thank you for scoring. I love that you scored for my team. You could pick any sport and stick it in there, right? Or maybe you've gone to a really good restaurant, and it's really good. It was so good. I love their food. And we get so excited. And we point praise to that thing, and we direct praise to that thing. Because that's what we do. We conduct praise. We go to a rock concert. We'll do the exact same thing. Thank you for making me feel a part of something. My life is lame, but I love you people on the stage. We will conduct praise. We will be misguided conductors. Social media experts. What will we do on social media? We will direct praise to a thing or not to a thing. And we will call others to direct praise to a thing. I got a letter from a, a doctor this week. He said that I should be directing my influence to help others do a certain thing or not do a certain thing. And I get letters from others. Telling me to, you should use your influence to direct praise here. Get the jab, get the jab, get the jab, jab, jab. Don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare, dare, dare. Get the jab, get the jab, get the jab, get the jab. Don't you dare, don't you dare. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Or we become self promotion conductors. Do you know what body dysmorphia is? The women know how to raise their head, right? You know what body dysmorphia is. In the last 15 years, the cases of suicide and mental disorders and frustrations and pains have gone up tenfold amongst teenage girls. And you want to know what they're pretty sure it is? Social media. As we labor to foster our own glory and praise, yet they can't compete. Don't you want to praise me? Don't you want to sing my glory? Like me, comment below so all the world beyond can see. It's sad because we are assuming a weight. And we are assuming a posture and a position. We were not built to fill. And so we advance and we promote pride. Do you remember Disney's Fantasia? There's a featurette in there. called The Sorcerer's Apprentice. And the sorcerer steps aside and, and the apprentice steps in. I thought you might. I was really hoping you would. 
Goss, get a good one. House on the rock, gone to witchcraft. I knew it would happen. Boom, boom. And if you remember, and what does the apprentice do? As he steps into the space, as he fills the image of, he begins to use that position for his own glory and intent. And how does it go? very badly until who has to step back in? Henry, if you didn't get a shot, that's all you get, buddy. Rather, we need reflective conductors, those who reflect on what God has done and reflect glory back to God. So if you look at your notes, there's an opening at the bottom. And I don't know what to put there. But the position is open. Will you call the angels? Will you see the tension and discern the tension and call them to praise? Will you call the ecology? Will you call the earth? Will you enter into again the rhythm of creation? Will you learn how to slow down and to become a part of, not something dominating over? Will you call relationships to be in tune? Will you practice love and kindness? Power or not, old, young, We have a victory to proclaim. We must get Eden back. I asked us a question in the beginning. Why are we here? To shine a light upon the faithfulness of God. Psalm 146. Why are we here? To give thanks for all that he has done. Psalm 147. Why are we here to confront the dark, to bring hope to the earth by praising the victory of Jesus? Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.